Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel. Thanks for being here today. When you get a chance, do me a super huge favor. Check us out at consumerguide.com. While you're there, while you're there, check out our 2023 Best Buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you were shopping for a new car or truck. And you can listen to back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. Also, I should point out, you can just download the podcast any place, which I recommend. And if you do it on Apple, especially if you do it on Apple, leave a review. That would be cool. Leave a review. All right. Back in studio after several months... (laughs) After several months astray, is Jill Simonello. She is a uh, managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, an act toy, North American Car of the Year juror, and she just completed a dog sled race. <laughs> uh, it felt like a dog sled race occasionally. Um, no, I just completed the Rebel Rally. So uh, You were not eaten by a bear. I was not eaten by a bear. I didn't die of cold. There was, but I, you know, I don't know this much about where you were, mm-hmm. but you said one night it was 16 degrees. It was. Jeez. Three nights it was 16 degrees. That's winter weather. I used to go, I was a Boy Scout. Yeah. And we did, we did like the polar bear kind of thing. Yeah. But 16 or 18 is cold. Yeah. And that was overnight while we're sleeping in a tent. Yeah. That's and, rough. And it was literally the most miserable I think I've ever been in my life. Last year, last winter, it was like two degrees one night, but mm-hmm. I was at home. Yeah. So it wasn't so bad. Yeah, they well, they had pipes with potable water, uh-huh. you know, that you could fill water bottles with, and they would freeze overnight. So if you didn't fill your water bottles before you went to bed, <laughs> no water for you. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, it was cold. And, you know, I mean, that was just one of the challenges that we experienced. So for people who aren't familiar with the Rebel Rally. Um, First of all, listen to our brief podcast yes, on the issue. We do have a brief podcast on the issue. So go back and- I got to milk that now because we're past it. Maybe maybe like, we will- Interest is gone now. In, no, no interest is gone. Because by the way, <laughs> registration <laughs> is open for 2024. But we'll include the link to our brief podcast in this podcast about the Rebel Rally. But- um, the, the brief synopsis is it's a women's navigational challenge. So it's a women's only rally. It's not a race. Um, you, they take away your GPS. They take away your cell phone. They take away the modern technology. And um, you have maps, you have compass, and you get longitude and latitude points that you have to go find. And this year we started in Mammoth Lakes, uh, California, and drove all the way down to the Glamis Sand Dunes. So more than 12,000 miles. Wow. Yeah. 12,000? 1,200. 12. 1,200, sorry. Okay. 1,200 miles. 12,000 yeah, 12, crazy 12,000 sounds way more impressive. Now, you said um, it's, it's women only. Yes. But like if a guy wants to pick up a woman, this wouldn't be the place because they're busy. They are so busy. Yeah. Okay. So you you get up at 5 a.m., you get your like 26 plot points yeah. at 5. You're, Guys aren't getting up that early. No. Even to hit on a chick. No, even yeah. to hit on a chick. You're, yeah. you're getting your uh, longitude and latitude plotted on a map. You leave by 7 a.m. and you don't get back until 7 a.m. or p.m. So, yeah. So 12 hours each day Pretty on the much. road. Pretty much. And then, uh, what was I going to just ask you about? The, the Hyundai. Mm-hmm. You were in a Hyundai uh, Santa Cruz. Yes. Is it still a Hyundai Santa Cruz? It, it is. We didn't break the truck. Okay. Um, I guess may, that's what I was asking. It may or may not have a sway bar anymore, but we did not break the truck. Talk about that. This is a little inside baseball and a little bit mechanical, but mm-hmm. that had a detachable sway bar? No. 
No, okay. <laughs> I saw that somewhere in some uh, of the social media, and I don't know what vehicle it yeah, was. Yeah, no, it was ours. Okay. Oh, so it just broke. It, it, well, so we uh, broke, broke the control arm that like attaches to the sway bar, uh-huh. and so it was kind of swinging, um, and then it... Uh, <laughs> It cut our CV boot. So the mechanics, we, so you get two free hours at the mechanic and they have like a mechanics bay when you get back to camp. Mm-hmm. And so you get two free hours of, of work done. And we Each went in. day? Or? No, Oh, total. okay, total. Because um, the CV boot's a little bit of work. Uh, yeah, no, they actually taped it. <laughs> is that what they did? They literally like yeah. duct taped it. For people it, but... who don't know, a CV boot is, is on things that have front drive. Yeah. It, it connects. And it's at the end, uh, at the end of the, of the half shaft and at the wheel. Yeah. And it's really rubbered. It looks like the thing around a shifter. Yep. And if that rips open and dirt gets in there, yep. bad, bad news. things happen. Yeah. And, and we managed to break the, the control arm um, like the day before we were going into the dunes, the sand dunes. So you knew dirt was going to get in there. So they're like, you know what? We're just going to take your sway bar out. You don't need it anyway. You'll have a better time driving without it because you'll feel more planted because it gives you more of a bendy. Maybe. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And they're like, trust us. You don't need it. I haven't had a sway well, bar in my car in forever. And I'm like, all right. Lots of serious off-roaders. And I'm not I'm not mocking the Santa Cruz in any way, but it's a street vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 like um, the Ram, uh, what's, what was the crazy Ram? Power Wagon. Yeah. That was just for example, and there's a lot of G products where you can detach the sway bar yep. for serious off-road because it limits the amount of articulation. Yep. So, so you're back and you're healthy. You had a good time. Um, I had a great time. That's good. It's it's one of those. Are events. you tan? Are you a little tan from this? I, I could be a little tan. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little. Color. It's weird to think about 16 degrees and tan. Yeah. Well, the first couple of days, I feel like I got windburnt. <laughs> I believe that. And then, like you, as you transition, because like when we ended in the desert, it was like 104 degrees. Yeah. So are your windows um, down most of the time. No, up uh, air conditioning. Okay. Um, and but uh, you know when you have to get out and dig out or do, yeah, you know, do whatever you're outside. But um, but yeah, no, I mean it was it was really a very challenging year this year because uh, the hurricanes and the weather that hit California earlier this year just devastated the trails, the parks. Death Valley was closed. Um, you know, and and going through Ridgecrest and Johnson Valley, like anything that used to be just like a little like divot in the in the road became like this major trench. Yeah. That um, you know, we couldn't traverse and I, I I was saying offline there was one point we saw a Toyota Tundra go over this ditch and we're like we can do that yeah. and we get up there and we kind of nose into it we're like nope nope, nope we cannot do that yeah. and we had to go around about five or six a tundra miles can do things yeah serious truck the, the, yeah and the Tundra was one of the vehicles that actually we should mention that too the serious trucks were in a different class yes so there's yeah. two classes there's so four you weren't by being four. entirely a wussy you were no. acting uh, in yeah. accordance with the other vehicles in your class yeah four by that four also four. would not go where that Tundra had gone. No, no. Um, no, 4x4 is like, you know, for your Toyota Tundras, your uh, Jeep Wranglers, like your really serious off-roading A Tacoma, type perhaps. Yeah. Yep. yep, nope, there were Tacomas. Yeah. Um, and then ours was the X-Cross class, and so that's for your unibody, you know, little crossover. I saw there was a Ridgeline, a completely stock Ridgeline. Yeah, so um, one of the women- Did that uh, thing take a beating? You know what? It really didn't. The woman who drives it, her name is Lola, and she's like the coolest person ever. And um, we rode together in the dunes. And But yeah, she had like the previous generation Ridgeline, and um, she did an amazing job, and she's a great driver. She loves to go out to the dunes and drive. But there was also... Um, 
a, a Subaru. So she she was a privateer. She was not sponsored in any way. Drove her uh-huh. own, um, you know, vehicle. And then Subaru Mountain Subi um, is also private vehicle, Outback and modified in our class. And she wasn't sponsored at all. And did an amazing job. And then there was um, Honda teams. I think Honda put forth three teams. Um, sponsored. There were um, there were a couple of Ford teams also sponsored, um, and then there was a Mustang Mach E that completed it this year. That did well, I think. Uh, it did okay. Yeah, there's no ground clearance there. No, the Mach E really isn't. A and they lost over. a lot of tires. They lost a lot of tires. Interesting. I, I will say the one thing that um, we can our claim to fame is we did not have to change a single tire throughout the entire rally, and a lot of people. I did also care. correct me if I'm wrong. You were never penalized. Um, we had one wide miss um, penalty where we thought we were close to what they call a black checkpoint, which is basically you go to a point that's not marked and you think, ah, yeah, I think this is the longitude and latitude right here. Interesting. And you click it, and if you're wrong, you miss, you, you get 10 points. Oh, off. so you don't want to click it unless you're pretty sure. Unless you're pretty sure, yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay. But But the one thing it does is that gives you information. You can plot it on the map and you can say, oh. I'm not here, but I'm here. And hopefully you're close to where you think you were. But if you're not, that's really valuable information because you can think, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm really not where I thought I was. But that never happened to us this year. There you go. All right. Well, congratulations Thank on you. finishing. You were not eaten by a bear. Not eaten by a you bear. You still have 10 digits? I, I Well, yes, yeah. I do. I do. I all did right. not get frostbite, so I have all of my digits. Yeah, 16 degrees, that's frostbite. That's ugly. That was I'm too good. old for that. It was. It was I I'm, I feel, that. I'm too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome back. Thank you. All right. You're in studio. Just pointing that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so two weeks of me being gone were um, at the Rebel Rally. And then this week I was out, or last week I was out because of the NACTOY semifinalist drive, the North American Car of the Year yeah. semifinalist drive. And basically they had most of the vehicles there that are up for finalists. Um, and we were able to take them for a spin. And you said we would get the, the list around the, the long, uh, opening of the LA Auto Show. Yeah, so the, the semi-finalist list, and that'll be three vehicles, like three in the car category, three in the truck category, and then three in the um, SUV category. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and we were going to talk about one of those vehicles that I'm very, very interested in. Yeah. And you drove it. Yeah. And that's the Silverado EV. Yeah. All right, so just real pause. I'm guessing it's very good. It is very good. Okay. Um, you know, the, obviously, I only was in it for about a half an hour. So, I mean, there's there are things that you miss. That's thirty more minutes than I've spent in one. Thirty more minutes, yes. Yeah. Um, and but but what's really cool about this, and and the you know, I had a couple of product specialists in the vehicle with me when I was driving, um, and I asked them, I'm like, what what sets this vehicle apart from your competitors? You know, there's a couple of like the Rivian R1T and the Ford F150 Lightning are already on the market. Yep, and like, the Ram is coming soon. Although soon, maybe not. Maybe 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 not. Then Silverado, uh, yeah, slow robot. Actually, We're going to talk slow, to Sam about that. There, Sam Fiorani is our guest today. We're going to yeah. talk a little bit about the Silverado and what. Happened happen there. And and some of the EVs are already out, but it's the work truck version, not the RS, the up level. Um, And, um, but so I asked them, I'm like, so what sets this apart? And they're like, our range. That was like their immediate answer was the range. So um, they have an extended range battery with uh, 450 miles of range. So that could be me to and from Indianapolis. What is the F-150's maximum range? 320. 320? Okay. 
So that is that is a big difference. Yeah. And now that's big money extra. That's yeah. not part of the conversation, but you have to buy the, the extended battery. You, yeah. So um, the work truck that I drove, I have a feeling was they, we didn't have a spec sheet, but it's priced around eighty thousand dollars for the work truck. For the work truck, which is supposed to be starting around fifty with with the extended battery, right? And, and how much is the battery? Did it say it? It didn't. Oh. Um, and and so, but what's really interesting here is now I finally see a an electric truck that can be used as an actual truck to do truck things. When you're talking about 450 miles of range, that's a truck you could tow with. Yeah, because even if you hit that weird, and we've run into this, and the number is always the same, if you tow 5,000 pounds, you lose half your range. Yep. That's almost like a rule of thumb now. Yep. But if you lose half your range, you're still going 225 miles. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's really good. That's pretty good. So I have to pee every 200 miles. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. But the, the problem is the infrastructure doesn't have bathrooms at the charging station, so that's going to be your problem. No, they usually does not. No, actually in Milwaukee, I charged at a, I think it was a Costco. Yeah. Like, well, this is awkward. Yeah. 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 I decided to just rate it out. Yeah. The, the one in Lafayette, Indiana that I go to is in the back of a Walmart parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing else in there. There's no food places, no no bathrooms, no. And you're just like, la, 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 la. I'm in the middle of uh, Lafayette, the, Indiana, charging. In, in Niles, there's a supercharger station, a, a Tesla supercharging station that is located in the parking lot of a mall. And there's immediately there a Red Robin mm-hmm. and a Buffalo Wild Wings and some crazy expensive Jewish restaurant. It's it's some weird kosher restaurant. You must know about it. <laughs> okay. I must because my husband is Jewish? Yes. Yes. Got it. And you go out to eat. <laughs> uh, yes. Do you know? Uh, shallots. It's called shallots. Uh, yeah, so that's what that you got thing. right there. So you got a wide variety of stuff, although not really a convenient place to pee, I guess. No. Hmm. No. None of those are convenient. No. But, but there is a uh, Panera. But Panera helps. Yeah. Uh, but, but But back to the truck. Uh, Yeah. So there's a lot of cool like info screens and pages that you can go through that tell you like how much power you're using, where your power is coming from, where it's going to, all that kind of stuff. There's one thing. That's all test drive stuff. It is. Right. The minute you own that vehicle, you're never going back to that. Probably. Well, you're probably going to look at, especially in the cold, you're going to look at range and and what is eating up your range. Yeah. Um, But the one thing that I really had a beef with this truck is um, it does not have height adjustable seats. That's weird. And I asked them, like, do any versions have height adjustable seats? And they're like, well, not this year. Wonder why. And I'm like, hmm. And, and the guy who was in the car with me what was would, like, what would be the barrier to that in a vehicle that gets close to a hundred thousand dollars? Expense. You don't want to spend two more dollars on it. I don't know. But I remember when Ram pickups didn't have telescoping. St- yeah. Wheels, which really bugged me because yeah. I'm a big guy yeah. and I'd be driving with this thing in my gut. And, and, and it's not good. They do. They have them now. Yeah. But I thought it was a really weird oversight. Yeah. No, Especially because people that drive trucks yeah. might be hefty. Might be. And, and you know, I mean, people who own trucks have wives. Like, if dudes are buying these trucks, they have wives who are probably my size. Yeah. Um, but it was really funny because the guy, when he I asked him about the height adjustable seat, and he's like, yeah, as soon as I looked at you, I knew that was going to be the first thing you asked about. <laughs> Well, there's also, there's also, let's be honest, there's like a warning sticker, like for events when you're going to be there. Like she's going to say some crap about height. Yeah. Like she's going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not climb in the front, though. Yeah. Like who prepped to talk to Jill? That's the person they send to talk to you. Probably. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even ask. I didn't even think about this. The world, uh, the automotive, uh, um, Vocabulary word I hate most, frunk. Uh-huh. There, there must be a frunk on the Silverado. Yes. I've never seen a picture of it. Uh, it's small. Is In it? comparison to the Ford F-150 Lightning, it is It is very small. Like how big did they give you? Um, I, I didn't look at the spec. But you I couldn't get a Costco run in there. 
probably get a Tos- you Costco. You could if you were a family. I could maybe get not. a Costco run in there. It's just like the 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 Ford F-150 Lightning Franc. I want to say is 400 liters. It's big. It's big. Um, and I would say the Silverado EV Franc is like. Two thirds of that, so it's not a third of it, but it's like two thirds. That, that is weird and interesting because the Silverado, the big deal there, right, is it's a ground up vehicle. It's yeah. on the it's on GM's Altium architecture yeah. using GM's Altium batteries, and yeah. it should be ground up better. So the fact that immediately we're, we've got a case where space utilization isn't optimized because of this is interesting. Yeah, but you know, I mean, one of the things they did is uh, because it is ground up, they um I, I feel like they moved the cabin forward a little bit more so the the actual oh. like hood is a little bit shorter. Okay. Um because you don't have the engine in there. No. Um and and another thing that they've done with the Silverado EV which is cool and unique uh is they have that Midgate opening. So I forgot um, about that. Yeah. So what essentially what that means is you can put the rear seats down and open a gate. So if you have something a little bit longer um, that you need to put in the truck, it can like extend up to the front seats, you know, through a little passageway. Which people probably don't remember, but the, the Chevy Avalanche yeah. was a vehicle that had that. Yeah. And and the Cadillac EXT. Yes, it was called EXT. Okay. Uh, it was the same thing. It was basically a Cadillac or an Avalanche based Cadillac. With the same thing. Now those were manual. Is this auto is this power now? Um, I think it is. We didn't do a demonstration of it. Okay. Because um, it used to be a pain in the ass to do. <laughs> you had to like lift the panel and then move it someplace. I can't I remember. It required some panels. upper body strength. Yeah. And 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 time. Yeah, like, I don't think there are panels easy. to move. I think they would be silly. If they did not make this easier. But I think they're silly. I thought silly. they were silly then, but that was 15 years ago. I was going to say, I think they're silly for not having a height adjustable seat. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to mention this again, I believe. And again, and again, <laughs> and again, and again. Um, but no, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed the Silverado EV. It was smooth. It was fast. It was comfortable. Um, nice you know, interior. A, a nice interior. And I mean, even for the for the work truck model, it was a nice interior. It's way better, I would say, than the work truck version of the F-150 Lightning. How, how quiet is it? It's quiet. Yeah. The weirdest thing, and, and, and until someone drives an EV, they don't know this, but the weirdest thing about driving an EV, no noise when you start it, yeah. no shutter, no engine kicking in, even no. a smooth engine makes some shutter, right. and then you take off and you hear gravel. And you're like, why am I hearing gravel? <laughs> or whatever's underneath the right, tires. Right. And it's simply because the engine and the fan noise would cancel out a lot of that noise. Yeah. So some people perceive EVs as being loud when in fact they're actually really quiet. You're just hearing noise you never heard before. Exactly. It's crazy. Well, I'm looking forward to driving that thing, and we're going to talk a little bit about why it might be a while before some of us drive that. Some yeah. interesting news about that in the Sierra, the GMC, not clone, but <laughs> counterpart to the uh, to the Silverado. Real quick, before we talk to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions, the, the, the Japan, what is it called now? Mobility Show, I think is what uh, they're It is the Japan it. Mobility Show. It used to be the Tokyo Motor Show, or as we mistakenly called it at Consumer Guide, uh, the Tokyo Auto Show. Well, that was what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but cool car out of there. Also one of those cars that just makes you wince a little bit. Mazda shows, showed something called the Ionic SP. Mm-hmm. It's a little sports car that is powered by? Rotary engines. Rotary engines for no good reason. Well, no, yeah. I don't. What is with them? There's always a good reason for the rotary range. No, engine. there is never. It is it is one of the greatest ideas that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we had a we had a mama member, a Midwest Automotive Media Association member, that was all about the rotary. And like there's so many things about it that are cool, like one moving part, mm-hmm. no valves. I'm like, yeah, that's all really cool, but it'd be terrible mileage. 
uh, and they don't last that long. And it's a long story, but the apex seals, which are sort of like the rings on a piston, right. they don't hold up over time. Ah. And they let a lot of oil pass. But anyway, this vehicle isn't just rotary. <laughs> it's very good looking. It, they're talking about it, the vehicle, and maybe this shape and design will replace the Miata. Yeah. But but the MX-5 Miata, if you're in an inter- international market. Yes. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is it's not a direct drive. It's a serial hybrid. So the rotary actually turns a generator that powers a motor or motors to make this go. So all of a sudden, your, your Miata, which now I think starts around 35 grand, something like that, it's going to be like 55 grand to cover all this crap. <laughs> and then additionally, you're going to like this. The rotaries can run on what? Not just gas, but hydrogen. Oh. This is never going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be a hydrogen-powered Miata. No. I would bet a lot of money on that. Yeah. All right, that's all I got. Good-looking vehicle, though. I will I will share that. I posted that yesterday on uh, consumerguide.com. Uh, anything else before we talk to Sam? Yeah, I think I'm good. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we talk to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, and I'm sitting here with Jill Simonillo in studio. She has all her digits. I do. <laughs> you were not eaten by a bear. I was not eaten by a bear. But you slept in very, very cold weather. That That is true. Uh, and despite all that, I'm going to promote myself. Uh, <laughs> ask me something about Twitter or X. Uh, what about Twitter or X? I'm on Twitter and X. <laughs> okay. I am Car Guy Tom, Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Car spotter activity, very high. If you spot a cool, old, weird, rare car or just something you hadn't expected to see on the road, just use the car spotter hashtag, put up a picture, and I will share that uh, with my fellow Twitter people. So there you have it. On the phone with us today is our old friend Sam Fiorani. Sam is Vice President of Forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions. Sam, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Jill is in one piece. <laughs> Me I'm, too. I'm largely glad, but it, it's like a better story if she was a little injured. Like if oh. she had a cast or something. <laughs> I, I am a little injured. I could tell you a funny story if you like. Uh, we'll save that for the quiz. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because Sam wants to talk a little bit about, and we should hear about this, his, his excellent podcast or video cast. What do you call it, Sam? A video cast? Oh, I call it a webcast. Webcast. That's what the kids call it. <laughs> well, tell us about Afternoons with uh, Kendra and Sam. Kendra Cook is the director of the Boyertown Museum of Historic Vehicles in uh, lovely Boyertown, Pennsylvania. And uh, she and I put together a, a series of what we call talk shows called Afternoons. Uh, we post them about twice a month, and uh, this month we're working on one where we just interviewed Lisa Barrow, who a lot of people in the industry would know because she was a representative for PR for Stellantis and before that FCA. Yeah. Uh, but prior to that, she was the news person and the uh, on, she called it the FYI person on Motor Week, the, uh, P- the PBS show produced out of uh, Maryland Public Television. Which was a great show. That's been around forever now. Aren't they celebrating 40 years? I think they're at 43 years, actually. Excellent. Um, I just heard that John Davis, the host, has been with Nash- with uh, Maryland for 50 years. But Lisa was with the show for about 10 years, and she tells some great stories on our show that will be coming out in a couple weeks. All right. We will share that on our Facebook page and make sure that people know about it. Uh, John Davis of Motor Week, by the way, good friends with Steve and Johnny, who joined us on here. 
a couple of weeks ago, and they always do an auto show preview, Chicago auto show preview when John Davis is in town to cover the show. So uh, that name, not unfamiliar to Chicagoans, but how are you doing? What's going on at Auto Forecast Solutions? Oh, it's busy, busy, busy. We're, we have uh, strikes and we have uh, <laughs> production issues and all kinds of things. It's it's a great time to be in the auto industry. <laughs> so the strike is over, I ask, hopefully? It is not over. The American strike with the UAW, they have an agreement, a tentative agreement with Ford at the moment. Mm-hmm. And as long as everybody signs off on that within the next week, it'll go to the rank and file next week. As long as they agree to it, everything will be smooth sailing with Ford. They're apparently back at work now. Uh, they were told to go back to work by the, the president of the UAW. But that just pushes the negotiations back to GM and Stellantis, and we're hoping to get a settlement with those two shortly. Cool. I have a question for you, just slightly off the books. Just a question for you. Heard a, heard a complaint about the UAW recently that makes a lot of sense to me, that they do all their negotiating with the big three, and they obviously they have contracts there and they have union workers there. But the, the general consensus seems to be that the UAW doesn't try all that hard to get into other uh, manufacturers' plants. So there's no transplant, no foreign automaker facility where the UAW is currently uh, in position. That is true. They are not currently. That is not true that they haven't tried. Okay. Uh, they, they have worked with uh, Nissan and Volkswagen over the years trying to get in there, failed time and time again. The, the issue is that all the transplants, most of the transplants, have built up their factories in right-to-work right states oh. where they are kind of anti-union. So uh, working against the union are the locals. But uh, working for the union is, of course, the union and uh, a handful of workers who are there who, who have worked in union plants before. I kind of get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and, and point out any deviant automaker if you can, but that, but that the workers at most of the transplant auto facilities are pretty healthy, pretty happy, and pretty well, uh, pretty well compensated for their work. The, most of the transplants are located in areas where they were underserved by employers. Okay. So when you bring a plant in there that is going to hire two or three or four thousand people, suddenly they want to work there, and and the point is that the factory is there because they can get labor less expensive because the cost of living is lower because there were no jobs in the, in the first place, and uh, more well way more than the number of people they need will show up when they have job openings there. So uh, it. It serves a purpose in those communities. Uh, they may get paid a little bit less than the UAW workers, but I'm sure they get paid well for their area. Interesting. I had toured the Toyota plant down, I think it's Evansville, Illinois, where they build the Highlander. Uh, and, and oh, yeah, Princeton, yeah. Oh, Princeton, thank you, yeah. And you get the sense touring there, and obviously there's a show for the people being being toured around the place, but it just seems like a really nice, modern factory, and all the people we met were just delighted to be there. And you just get the sense, they don't need a union that bad. That seems to be true in a lot of the transplant plants. The workers are happy there. The plant in Volkswagen, for example, is the Chattanooga, Tennessee, where Volkswagen is. Uh-huh. They have tried a number of times to get in there and almost got in a few years ago. But uh, one reason or another, they just hold off and, uh, and don't seem to need the union. Uh, the northern plants, like the one in Indiana, the ones in Indiana, Toyota has two, you would think that they would appeal to a union, but uh, they haven't yet. 
It's interesting too because you get the feeling that the the, the workers and then the manufacturer are are at least tight enough and and believe in each other enough that there isn't the acrimony and they don't feel like they're being ripped off and they don't really need that representation and they don't need to do that to the manufacturer. So I guess that's good, right? These are workers that are that have good jobs. It's seemingly they they are happy enough with their jobs to not need the, the union to come in. Wanted to ask you about something, too, related to the strike, and that's the master. They call it the master agreement. And one of the things that Sean Fenn was looking for, the UAW was looking for, was that the master agreement include these battery joint ventures that are going up everywhere. Does it sound like that's what happened with this agreement? Do we know? We don't have the final contract yet. As we're recording, they had just announced the contract agreement, and they're still giving it out to the, the rank and file. But that was a, a point that they were trying to make, was trying to get into these new battery plants. Uh, General Motors had agreed in principle prior to this, and so it, we just make the presumption at this point that Ford has done a similar thing, and uh, they have raised the pay rates of some of the lower-wage workers, so it's just a natural connection that they might add the battery plant people to the, that same contract. We're just looking for all the associated Ford plants to be in that contract. Yeah, because we know too, right, the General Motors Spring Hill plant, is that a, a JV with uh, LG Chem? They have a battery plant there, yes. Yeah, and they were they were paying pretty low wages, right? Wasn't it, Weren't they paying about 18 bucks an hour or something? There are a couple plants. The one in Ohio, I realized, was paid just slightly more than what uh, a person bagging groceries would pay, be paid. Yeah, so that's obviously going to change. Right. So I wanted to talk to you about something. Jill had just discussed her time behind the wheel of the Silverado EV. She came away pretty impressed by that vehicle. I've been dying to drive it. I've been dying for it to hit the market. And now we hear that General Motors has kind of put the brakes on that. What's going on there? General Motors planned two plants to build the Silverado EV. They have the first one up and running, but they are currently having issues getting the battery plants up and running. Uh. So the production has been slow there. But they had planned on opening the Orion factory to build more of them, along with some other models like electric versions of the Tahoe and Suburban. But the market right now is a bit soft, and they've pushed it back a year. And so now, really, everything electric that's coming out of GM that isn't the Bolt or Bolt EUV is coming out of what they call Factory Zero. Is that correct? Uh, not entirely. They also have uh, uh, the Lyric coming out of Spring Hill. Oh, oh, okay. And and the Blazer and Equinox EVs are coming out of coming out of uh, plants in Mexico. Oh, uh, well, this this delay with the Silverado does this affect the Cadillac IQ at all? No, actually, the Escalade IQ will come out of the Factory Zero plant, which is where they build the Silverados currently. Oh, okay. So that that should be on pace. And and right now, General Motors is really dragging its feet. Is this all related to a single battery problem? And the reason why we're not seeing Hummers. And we're not seeing the lyric. That's the story GM is going with, <laughs> that they are having trouble ramping up production of batteries. And uh, they are blaming suppliers who provide them with the equipment to make the batteries. Oh. So it's pushing the, the rock down the, the hill, trying to get someone else the blame for this one. One of the interesting things that Mary Barra said this week, that part of the reason that they're delaying production of the Silverado is so that they can preserve pricing power on those vehicles. But but that obviously leads us to this conversation about the fact that there may, in fact, be more electric vehicles on the market than people are ready to buy, which sort of flies in the face of the fact that, that the third quarter was the best ever quarter for EV sales in the U.S. What's your take on that? We're seeing a softening in the growth. People are reading that as being a softening in the market, 
That's not the case. They, we're going to still see growth in EV sales. It's just not going to be at the pace it had been over the past couple of years. Uh, early adopters are willing to spend a lot of money. They're willing to uh, uh, take uh, almost second-quality vehicles to be guinea pigs on these vehicles just to have that vehicle in their driveway. And we've, uh, we've used up all the early adopters virtually. So I like that. right now we're trying to get regular car people to buy them. I'm going to use that, Sam. We've used up all, all the early adopters. Uh, and one, we should talk a little bit about beta testing on the general public and then and the fact that to what extent is this situation now where, where EV uh, supply is growing on the ground? How much is, is Tesla responsible for that and their ridiculous price cuts? They're reacting to the market. There are too many players, too many vehicles chasing too few buyers. And uh, that's why we're seeing prices go down. We're seeing inventories rise. There's a, a big problem with the mismatch of how many vehicles and how many buyers. And, and Tesla, being the market leader, is the one who has to make the biggest changes. They, in order to keep their volumes up, they got to lower the prices to appeal to more people. From a marketing perspective, does this make sense to you? I mean, Tesla has cut its prices by about 25% over the last three quarters, and they've, their margins have fallen by about two-thirds. They went from uh, on an almost 18% margin to about an 8% margin. Is this a sustainable thing for them? Does this make sense? And, and at some point, when do their prices level out, or when do they realize they just want to go back and make money? Tesla should be welcomed into the automotive industry at this point. <laughs> uh, these are where... Prices are. This is this is where margins are for a vehicle manufacturer and uh, Tesla's grace period, where they were the market leader and uh, could control pricing. It sounds like it's gone. So uh, this is where the profit is on a car. It's well under ten percent. One of the things, uh, Robert Colangelo, who's been a guest on our show, he's the host of Green Sense Radio, and I was on his podcast uh, recently, and he was talking about one of the things he's fascinated by is the fact that Tesla so easily adjusts prices on vehicles, right? They can, they can literally raise a price one day and then decrease it the next day. Do, and does that ability that, that Tesla has, and it's completely out of step with the way other automakers work, does that give them a big advantage in the marketplace? What gives them an advantage is the fact that they've been building electric vehicles for 15 years or more. And uh, so they have the room. They've been making money, and they have the room to, to lower the prices. You have uh, companies like Ford and General Motors who are building brand-new factories, trying to establish battery supplies, uh, trying to build up their dealer network to be able to sell these, these vehicles. There's a lot of money that they still have to spend, whereas Tesla spent the last 15 years spending all that money. Uh, the fact that Ford is losing money at EVs is no surprise because they're at the beginning of the curve, whereas Tesla is nearing the top of the curve. Yeah, interesting. And that makes a lot of sense, too. Do you anticipate, we're running out of time here, Sam, but do you anticipate that the changes to the, uh, the tax incentives starting January 1st will have a big impact on sales? Most likely not. We're trying to appeal to a new bunch of people, and these people aren't easily persuaded to, to jump into the EV fray. So finding a, anything, uh, a couple more dollars, uh, whatever it is, is going to help, but it's not going to turn the tide. We're not going to see this, this mass of people coming into the EV market suddenly January 1st. You see, I've been telling people it will matter. Now i got to rethink my position. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we're running out of time, but remind us about your, uh, your webcast and about Auto Forecast Solutions. 
Auto Forecast Solutions provides services to the auto industry, to financial houses, to anyone looking to get data on the auto industry, and we provide uh, forecasting and analytical services, uh, including uh, global production of vehicles and powertrains. And we can be reached at uh, on LinkedIn or Facebook or anywhere else. Sounds good. Uh, and our website is uh, AutoForecastSolutions.com. And your new your new webcast comes out when? It'll come out shortly as soon as I'm done editing it. <laughs> and it's uh, it's on YouTube. And just look for the Boyertown Museum of Historic Vehicles. And the show is called Afternoons with Kendra and Sam. All right, we will share that link too. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, that was Sam Fiorani with Auto Forecast Solutions. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Car Stuff Podcast. I'm Tom Appel. I'm here with Jill Simonillo. Jill, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah, social media. It's been a while. It, it has been a while. Yeah. Yeah, so you do social media stuff. Steve and Johnny want me on threads. You should be on threads. Yeah, that's the one i got to be involved with. Uh, Instagram. Instagram, which I don't have either. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you about how much of a hassle MailChimp was for me? <laughs> that's not a social media, really. No, 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 but I'm showing my age. I'm just saying. Well, don't start talking about Foursquare, then you'll really show your age. <laughs> uh, but no, so I'm I'm on social media at Jill Simonello. So uh-huh. just my name. I use the hashtag Car Du Jour. That's usually easier than trying to spell Simonello. Um, and I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh-huh, uh-huh. Instagram, uh-huh. Threads, Post, Facebook, uh-huh. TikTok, Truth Social. Uh, not true social. No? Okay. Because I, you know. I don't want to get political. I just want to say it's funny. Joe Biden is now in truth social. I just think that's funny. Oh, I thought that was a fake one. No, I thought that was real. Uh, no, I guess it is real. True oh. social. I, okay. I'm, I'm have I mentioned ho- that I've been in the desert for the past 10 days and my brain is a little bit fried? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All okay. right. Fried brain. Fried brain. Perfect time with a fried brain to yes. roll into the quiz. This is Great. quiz 191. Uh-huh. I don't know that, actually. You just, just made that up. No, no. We've had 191 episodes, but we, uh-huh. do, we don't always do quizzes. That's true. But you haven't done a quiz in a while. I have uh, not. But I've got a great quiz for you this week. Uh, today's topic is Hallmark or Honda. Ooh. See, I are, told are, you. Are we back to the Hallmark channel? We are. Kiss a boy in a Christmas sweater or never kiss a boy in a Christmas sweater. I didn't one. go with that, but these. Uh, uh, I need you to tell me which of the following, which of the following is fake. Is it the Hallmark movie? Oh. Or the Honda model. Oh, okay. So this should be this should be pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, okay. These are harder to describe than to actually just do. Okay. All right. But for people who don't know, Hallmark makes movies that um, suck, and, <laughs> they, and they make a lot of them. They don't all suck. Each one has a budget of one hundred and eighty dollars. They have the same stars, and then they just change the geographic location. They they do, and they do a lot of them at Christmas. Yeah. 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 No one has ever compared a Hallmark movie to. A Honda? Citizen Kane. I was going to say a Honda. <laughs> or a Honda. All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, Jill. Uh, since you're our only contestant today, you go first. Is the first answer Rosebud? It is not. Okay. Good guess, though. Well, I figured I'd go back to your Citizen Kane reference. Rosebud. Yes. Um, which of the following is fake? A Kiss Before Christmas or the 2024 Honda Accord Limited? Oh, now you're just being sneaky. 
Because there's a Honda Accord, but is there a limited trim? Yeah. Well, well I wasn't going to say, like, the Honda Fairlane. Well, pshht. Um, so what was the Hallmark movie? The, the Hallmark movie is A Kiss Before Christmas. The Honda model that might be fake is the 2024 Honda Accord Limited. Golly, I cannot remember if Accord has a limited trim. Um, I will say the fake is A Kiss Before Christmas. No, that's real. Oh, oh darn. Chill, you have no points. I have no points. <laughs> Your favorite phrase. Okay. Question two. You need points. Uh, how this works, there's five questions. You need yes. three for a win. We do include, when we play with one person, the bonus question. Yeah. As a point. Okay. All right. A Royal Corgi Christmas. <laughs> the, that has to be real. <laughs> the 2024 Honda HRV Touring. HRV is, of course, their subcompact crossover, which, by the way, was redesigned and I haven't driven it yet. I don't think I've driven it yet either. Interesting. Uh, oh, wait. No, I have driven it. I hated the seats. Yeah, I don't fit in it. And I it's think one of the rare cars, like subcompact crossovers, usually I fit just fine. Yeah. But I haven't driven the new generation, so I don't know if that's true. Um, no, the seats are really, really uncomfortable. I drove it down to Indianapolis, and I feel like I might have had a touring trim. Oh. Maybe. All I right. don't know. I'm, I'm going to say that that's the real, so the the Hallmark movie is fake. So you're saying that a Royal Corgi Christmas is fake? Yes. It's real. Oh! You're getting in trouble here. I'm totally getting in trouble. Um, I swore that the the HRV was the touring trim. It was the top trim, whatever it was. If I uh, top trim, I think I forgot what it, is. it might be EXL. Mm, okay. There's only three trim levels of that vehicle. Okay. Volume's relatively low. All right. Uh, next, a very merry mix-up, or the 2024 Honda Passport Carbon Edition. I've never heard of a Carbon Edition for the oh. Passport. Oh, okay. But I'm batting like zero at the moment. That's right. Yeah, you have no points. I have no points. <laughs> um, golly, if all the vehicles I drive, I drive the fewest Hondas. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with my, my bad guessing, and I'm going to say the Carbon Edition is fake. The Carbon Edition is fake. You're on the board. Oh, woo You have one point. You need two more, and you have three opportunities. All right. All right, uh, question four, um, an Oklahoma first kiss, 2024 Honda Civic Touring. I need the fake. An Oklahoma first kiss, 2024 Honda Civic Touring. I want to say Oklahoma first kiss is fake. You're right. You have two points. Suddenly you're not in such bad shape. <laughs> it's a full count though. All right. You're to the last regular question. The mm. fake movie, if it's fake. Is the is love at the aquarium? The fake car, if it is fake, is the 2024 Honda Ridgeline Black Edition. Oh man, did they do a Black Edition of the Ridgeline? We could do a side editorial about things like Carbon Edition and Black Edition later. But I mean, Carbon Edition, like I I see that from like maybe a, like a Ford or a General Motors, not from a Honda. But I, th the I think there's a Carbon Edition Wagoneer. Yeah. Yeah. But like the the black edition, like that's just anybody can do a black edition. Nissan does black editions all the time. Yes, they do. Um, I think I just drove a Rogue black edition. Yeah. Um. So did did Honda do a black? Because they have that HPD version with the bronze wheels. Uh huh. I liked it. Ugh. I know. 
I know you didn't like it. No, the bronze with the red But paint. I like the original. Yeah, I like the original line a lot. Um, and apparently it's Rebel Tough. It is Rebel Tough. There you go. Love at the Aquarium, 2024 Honda Original Black Edition. They didn't answer. I know I didn't. Um, you know, the background music actually makes the stalling more 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 tolerable. I just realized that. That's Because it's not dead air. It is not dead yeah, air. Yeah, but I still need an answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll... Uh, uh, the Honda Black Edition. Rich line. You're saying that's fake? Yeah. It's not. Ugh. Ooh, you, now the bonus question matters. That you have two points. bonus question matters. All right. Um, one of your favorite restaurants in the whole world, McDonald's. Ooh. Do you know how many McDonald's franchises there are in the U.S.? No. 13,500. Okay. But this is where the question is going. Do you know how many there are in Canada? No. 1,500. Here's a good rule of thumb. However many there are in the U.S., multiply by 10%, and that's what you get the Canada number. That's generally true for car sales. GDP, uh, number of McDonald's restaurants. Okay. There you go. Anyway, the first uh, McDonald's opened in Canada in Richmond, British Columbia in 1940. 1940. Okay. Oh, no, no, 1967. Okay. Sorry. That's, that's a bit of a yeah. age gap. It's a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. U.S. was 40. I think I should get the question just for that. No, I don't think so. You haven't done anything. You haven't earned yeah, it, Yeah, but you, you, you're messing it up. I need you to tell me which of the following is not a menu item at McDonald's in Canada. And okay. you wouldn't think that the Canadian men, uh, McDonald's menu would be that different, but it's kind of different. Okay. Are you I've ready? I've never been to a McDonald's in Canada. I don't think I have either. All right. I'm going to give you four menu items. One of them is fake. Okay. You need this for the win. Mm. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The Quarter Pounder BLT, the Chicken McGriddle, the Zesty Lime McWrap, or the McPoutine Zesty Fries. I kind of want to say the McPoutine French fries, or whatever that was, but uh, McPoutine zesty fries. But I feel like isn't poutine a thing in Canada? It is a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, it's a potato thing. A quarter pounder BLT mm-hmm. sounds weird. Um, what were the other two again? Uh, the zesty McGriddle. Ooh. I'm sorry. I- Chicken McGriddle. McGriddle, okay. Zesty Lime McWrap. Right. Yeah, and the McPoutine uh, Zesty Fries. I kind of want the Zesty Lime McWrap. Whatever that is, that sounds good. Uh-huh. I want that. Um, if it's real, I'll tell you what it is later. <laughs> but if it's not real, you'll make yeah, it up? I got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> um, okay, read through them one more time. I wow, okay, okay. Quarter Pounder BLT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chicken McGriddle, Zesty Lime McGrap, or the McPoutine Zesty Fries. I like saying poutine. Poutine? Um, I'll, I'll go it, seems, th- it feels like something that should be bleeped, but it's not. It, it is not. No, it's, um, it's, it's actually delicious. Uh, poutine is good. Um, oh, I'm going to go with the poutine fries. It's fake? Yeah. You saved your ass. Uh-huh. All right. That's three. That's the win. I will sign this. Man, you did some stalling there. I did. I did do did some stalling. You did huge stalling. stalling. Okay. We've got three minutes left. So what's the zesty lime wrap? Oh, oh, it's it's just a chicken wrap with like some sort of lime cilantro dressing. Huh? I would like that. It looked good in the picture. Yes. And I wanted poutine fries, but they don't exist. It seems like a logical thing. It's just fries and you pour brown gravy and wads of cheese on it. Yeah. How can you go wrong? You cannot. You cannot go wrong. Speaking of not wrong, uh, pumpkin, Spunky Dunker's pumpkin donut. How was that? It was, it was good. 
Yeah. It tasted more like spin- spinamon, uh, cinnamon than pumpkin. Producer Randy, did you have your, your donut yet? Not yet. Okay. All right. So there you go. Yeah. We have like two and a half minutes left. What do you got going on? Uh... Well, I posted a story to our website about how close is too close to sit to the steering wheel. I saw that. Um, and it's really funny because when, whenever somebody sees me, so I'm five feet tall, whenever everybody sees me, like I'm driving a Mustang right now, uh-huh. and everybody's like, you're too close. You're too close. I'm like, is nope. that the dark horse? It is. The dark I saw it in the parking horse. lot. Just yes. asking. Okay. Um, but I'm ten inches from the steering wheel. That's not too close. So uh, yeah, but so I wrote that. It talked about the guidelines of how close is too close, and um, in some rare instances, you can deactivate your front airbag, but you need permission from the NHTSA to do that. That's super interesting, and I missed something you just said, though everyone else heard it, but I, I can't go on without knowing. Did you say that you sit too close? Or do not? No, I do not. Okay. And what was that distance you said? You're 10 inches? At least 10 inches from the steering wheel. Now, isn't that almost entirely determined by your arm length? Um, yeah. I don't have especially long arms, and I'm a big guy, so I feel like I'm always too close to the steering wheel. A little bit, but it's also um, like the tilt and telescoping steering wheel, adjustable pedals. Like, if you have really long legs and short arms, like, you could have a really awkward driving position. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I, I, for one, have always said, like, adjustable pedals and tilt and telescoping steering wheels are both necessary in vehicles to really accommodate all types of drivers. My sister used to drive the family car with one leg out the window. Is that safe? That is not safe. Okay. I'm going to say that's not safe. By the way, I'm not kidding. Okay. <laughs> That was not safe. That was back in the day too, where like every car had a bench seat, and we never bothered to adjust it. Oh, you just got in. I don't know where the the seat belts are just stuck somewhere in the seat. Not, not and, safe. And, and you never adjusted the thing, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And you needed cloth seats if you drove crazy, because otherwise you'd slide around. Right. That was actually the big problem. My family had uh, for a long time a '74 Plymouth Valiant mm-hmm. with crazy rock hard vinyl seats. You couldn't. That car wasn't fast anyway. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't drive it aggressively because you just slid across the seat when you took a corner. The Ventura, our 76 Ventura, had cloth seats, mm-hmm. kind of grippy. Okay. Almost Velcro-y. Yeah. So you could do stupid things in that car. Yeah. So there you go. Um, real quick before we go, I'm going to write a piece today, I think. Today? And, and that would be before this goes live. So this should be, by the time you're hearing this, the piece should be there. But <laughs> Honda released like a, a prelude. Yes. A prelude concept at the Tokyo Motor Gadget vision show thing. Yeah, mobility. Show, yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah, that. So I'm going to write about that today. It looks cool. Okay. I don't think they're going to sell something called Prelude in the U.S. again, but whatever. But, you know, never hurts to... All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thank you for being back in studio. And then next episode, you're in studio. Yes. All right. So that's good. And we don't have a guest lined up yet. We do not. We're desperate for a guest. Anyone who... The first one who gets us a letter, you can be (laughs) our guest. (laughs) Be careful what you say, Tom, because... (laughs) You you may not like the guest you get, yeah. uh, but uh, but no. So like next, the reason why we're pre-recording this, um, if you didn't catch the gist of that, is next week I'm actually in Spain, uh-huh. driving the um, Volvo EX30. They have those omelets there. A Spanish omelet. Yeah, yeah. I will probably not eat a Spanish omelet. I'm going to go drive a car. Why go to Spain and not have an omelet? I don't know. All right. This has been the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast with Jill Seminole in studio. Thanks to Jill for being here. Big thanks to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. He knows everything. Thanks to producer Randy and the good folks here at TalkZone. Let's talk more about cars again next week. 
remember to check us out at consumerguide.com. The Car Stuff Podcast is produced by J-Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. 